welcome to Shop Talk, the real estate show. I'm John Forche, and joining me this week is Jill Malloy, the national real estate expert at the CE Shop. Thanks for joining me, Jill. Well, thank you for having me, John. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you here. So uh, let's just start with your background. How did you get started in real estate? Well, I'd love to tell you how forward-thinking and entrepreneurial I was. I'd love to say that, but unfortunately, the truth is that like so many people who get started in this business, I really didn't have a grasp of what the business angle was. I didn't understand that it was a business. All I knew Mm -hmm. was that I was getting a license. That's, That's what I really understood, and I got the license because my husband was a... He was a really good salesperson in another industry, and he decided he wanted to get a real estate license, and I knew that if I was going to be, if I wanted him to go through the course and really go all the way through to the end, that it would be easier for him if I took the course with him, and it wasn't even really a course as it turned out. Uh, Nothing was required way back then. I had to read a book, and he quit reading the book. Wow. So you got your you got your first license, and then you didn't really have a plan. You were just doing it to help your husband. I was, well initially I was, but he never got licensed because he never finished reading the book. He never went and took the test. So I wanted to take a test because I just read a whole book, and there was a test to be taken. I guess there's that yeah. academic in me, and so. <laughs> and then the really horrifying part, John, is you know that most testing services, if you pass, don't tell you your grade. They just say you right. pass. So there I and was. And you wanted to know. Well, of course I would. The academic in me wanted to know, but instead I joined a real estate firm, the one my husband had planned to join, and started figuring out what the job really was. Wow. So you just you just went right in. Well, what else was I going to do? I had no idea what the job was. I had to figure it out somehow. And what were you doing before you got your license? I was, oh, see, most people aren't going to even remember that this was a job once. I was the (laughs) long-distance telephone operator. And then when I ceased that, I got this huge promotion to the business office of the the telephone company when there was the telephone company. And I sold right. telephones over the telephone. I sold telephone service over the telephone. So that's what I did before I got this real estate license. And I, I assume that uh, that career didn't play into real estate too much? You know, it probably could have if I would have understood the connection between it. Truthfully, yep. I didn't take advantage of what I learned at the phone company about helping people make decisions and uh, closing for the order. I didn't use it because I didn't see the relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. That is the hard part sometimes, figuring out how the pieces go together. Absolutely. So so your title now is the National Real Estate Expert. Uh, How did you get from getting a license not knowing what you were doing to now you're the national real estate expert. <laughs> yeah, can I laugh first at the title? I just find it so overwhelming. Um, 
really, I do. But the truth is that I sold real estate for a while, and I discovered what I didn't know at first, and that was that it was absolutely a wonderful career. It was a it was a career that allowed me some flexibility of time. It was a career that allowed me to make more than I had ever thought of making, a lot more than I ever made at any telephone company. Um, but I found myself in an office that was going through some internal trouble, and I, by that time, had gotten a broker's license, so they asked me would I manage it for a while. Hmm. And I did. I managed it for a while, and during that period of time, I determined that I don't like management. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was able to figure that out, so they asked me did I want to manage permanently, and I said no, and they said, well, let us send you to management school. So I went to management school. It was really nice. And afterwards, I could tell them why I didn't like management. It's good they sent me for all that training. But after that, <laughs> they asked me if I, if I thought I would like to train agents. And I thought, huh, maybe. Let's try that. And so throughout my career, I would both sell and do classes um, in real estate for other agents. And it just took on a life of its own, and I guess many, many years later, um, it landed me in really a, this is a great, great position. Um, I get to work with other real estate training or education professionals throughout the country. We get to collaborate. I get to work with a curriculum team that writes some of the best courses I have ever seen anywhere. Um, it's just, uh, I, you know, it's hard to figure out how I got here in the end. I ended up in real estate <laughs> education, and then here was this wonderful opening, and it is so perfect to work with a team like this. Wow. Sounds like it really worked out. Uh, seems like seems like you sort of had just a trial and error uh, at the beginning of your career, and, and <laughs> you got to where you needed to be. <laughs> well, there we go. And, you know, without the one error, who knows where I would have been because at the time, and if you're yeah. referring to the phone company, um, they were good for the time being, <laughs> you know, for that <laughs> right, year I right. was there. It was a great job for the one year I was there. Why did you choose to work with the CE shop? I was a big fan before I ever came to work for the CE shop. Huge fan. Oh, so you did, you did already know of them. Then. Oh, yeah. Listen, I was with two major real estate firms in the Washington metropolitan area. I probably shouldn't say this out loud, so I won't say any other names, but I will say both of these major firms had a different partner um, who was doing their online training for them. And both of mm -hmm. them, while I was in the position of being their uh, head of their training department, made the switch over to the CE shop because it was so different. Let me tell you, John, the first time I took an online course, it was not from the CE shop. And like so many other people still think of online training, I thought, okay, I can get through this. I have to. I have to get my credits, and I let the time wind down on me. So I'll just make it through. But it was all this read, 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 answer, answer, answer. And when you think about the capability of an online class to make it fun and interesting, 
and that's not what I had seen. And suddenly, when when I saw what the CE shop had in terms of classes that made them much more interactive, that made them much more interesting, I felt very strongly that my firm needed that as their uh, online training. So both the firms I was with switched over to the CE shop, and I was a huge fan before this job was ever a thought. You, you sort of already mentioned the things that you do as the national real estate expert, but uh, could you elaborate a bit? I mean, you, you said you work with the curriculum team, you work with uh, regional experts. Yeah, it's really kind of fun because when you are a training director in a real estate firm, which is what I had been before, um, you do a lot of the writing of your own courses. You become the research person, you write courses, you deliver courses, and you think you're doing all right until you see people who are trained real estate course writers. So first off, what I get to do is work with these people who research the laws, but their forte is really making interesting, fun courses. Then what I get to do is I get to look at the courses for content, just to make sure the content's on, because I've got the real estate background. So I look at them for content, and it's not really even editing. Someone else will do the editing. Um, and the fact is, I told you I laugh at that national real estate expert. I love the title, but it is erroneous. <laughs> it is erroneous. <laughs> Nobody can be a national real estate expert. Every state has its own laws. Every state mm -hmm. does things differently. So one of the things that is really fun for me is to find people in other states who have the expertise, the knowledge of their laws, the knowledge of the protocol, the knowledge of the contracts uh, that are used in their area, and work with those people. They're called our subject matter experts. And we don't have all that we need yet, but we have an army of subject matter experts who are experts in their own states. And I get to interact with them and say, okay, tell me something. How does Arizona look at this? One of the big issues in real estate is um, agency law, which has to do with who you represent in a transaction. Should the licensee be looking out for the best interest of the buyer, or should they be looking out for the best interest of the seller? And each, each state has treated that law very differently. And so in order to have a good understanding of it, you are almost compelled to work with someone who works in that market. And... I say that like it's a task. It's no task. Real estate people are nice. They are easy. They're people people. I really have the opportunity to look for people who know their stuff, do a good job in the state in which they serve, um, and then let them help us. And I get to give them money for that and free courses. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty nice setup. Why do state requirements vary so much? That's because state laws differ so much. Um, mm -hmm. it, each state, first off, real estate, think about it, it's grown up as a very local business. It's not a nationally or federally regulated to any great degree business. It is state right. regulated. And because of that, and because these the people who practice real estate, licensees in each state need to know their own specific state law. 
it is uh, going to be related to that state. Um, everything from, I mentioned agency, but there are other issues that are so state specific, like how much continuing education do you need and what topics do you need in order to renew a license? What does it take to become the broker in a, in a state and be able to run your own real estate firm? And that differs in every single state. They each have their own real estate uh, licensing body, whether they call it a commission or they call it a division or they call it a department of real estate. Each state has its own and they make decisions that are best for that state. Water rights are different in every state. Um, so when you talk about the right to use the water, if you're from the East Coast, you think of it one way. If you're from an arid state, oh my gosh, it's entirely different. Yeah, that makes sense. So what would you say is the ultimate goal of a real estate course? Depends. Some real estate courses that we give the ultimate goal from the viewpoint of the learner is to be able to pass a real estate exam so that they can get a license. And that would be a licensing course. And each state decides on a minimum basis of knowledge that people should have in order to get a license in that state. And then most states work with a testing service that they communicate with what their minimum requirements are and they create questions that uh, are surrounding those minimum requirements of knowledge. And so for that course, it is important that people know what's going to be tested and they know the answers to the information. Um, and it's not just memorization, it's understanding concepts so that they can answer questions which are situational in nature. Um, so I would say that's what's important with uh, the licensing course. But when it comes to continuing education, then what you want to look at is how will it make that agent better at serving their clients? And so you're looking for something that actually gives them an opportunity to improve either their skill or knowledge level with respect to serving their clientele. And are you basing how helpful something will be for a real estate agent uh, just based on your expertise and, and that of your subject matter experts? No, don't you? <laughs> the real estate uh, licensing authority in each state has something to say about that. So some states have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, core courses. And that means that these are essential elements that everyone must know. It's not unlike a state to include fair housing as a part of that. It's not unlike a state to include real estate regulations, especially ones that have been passed recently as a part of that. Mm -hmm. Environmental issues. So things that help you to help your clients. It's not unlike a state to include contract law in those things that are considered core. Um, but there are elective courses that many states permit so that not every topic is mandatory, but most states want that to be something that you can show the benefit to the consumer, not to the agent. For example, if mm -hmm. my job, John, is to help you find a home that you want, then to write your per 
purchase offer and help you to negotiate the best terms that you can, a course in negotiating skill that would help me learn how to do a better job for you would probably be approvable in a state. So the states give us guidelines as to what's approvable. After the break, Jill walks through three essential things that every new agent should do in their first year. Since 2012, Food for Thought has donated over 250 tons of food in an effort to eliminate weekend hunger for children in the Denver area. The average rhino weighs 1,500 pounds, which means that Food for Thought has provided 333 rhinos worth of food to hungry kids so far. To contribute to the next rhino worth of food, visit foodforthoughtdenver.org. A lot of education providers will come out with courses and then just, you know, not really update them or go a long time without updating them. What what would you say is the importance of having up-to-date courses? Okay, it's twofold. Uh, and again, I look at our continuing education courses and I look at our licensing courses. In a licensing mm-hmm. course, the problem is that people don't pass their examination, and that's what they were (laughs) paying you to help them do. So that's, but that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that I see happening is if you give bad information in a course, an agent does something thinking that they are perfectly legal, that they are doing what is right for people, and they're not. Um, And I see that as really a, It's absolutely imperative that a company that's providing education, no matter how many disclaimers you see in a course, it's still imperative that we make every effort to stay up to date. Hence, subject matter experts who go to to meetings where new laws are announced before they're even effective, and they let us know about it. That's an essential ingredient for us, those subject matter experts who help keep us right on point. Yeah, that's that's definitely essential to staying ahead of those kinds of changes and in being able to offer a course in time for those changes to go into effect, right? Yeah, it really is. And, and generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, when a state has a new law or regulation coming, they there is some time between the time that they say this is what it's going to be and the time it takes effect. Um, the challenges that we face are when states make that a very short period of time so that we practically have no time to make the turnaround and the change that is necessary. But most states give us plenty of warning that, you know, as of June 30th or June 1st or July 1st of thus and so year, this is what it's going to look like. And if they tell me that in February, I'm fine. Could you have a real estate education company without experts? Um, now, maybe you know my answer, but the truth is some people do. Some people do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they do because I couldn't. I, you know, like I said, my title is really nice but laughable because the real experts are the subject matter experts that we're able to reach out to in, in the states. And we're able to lean on them and we look for people who are involved with their state real estate licensing agency, who are involved in the actual business of real estate so that they understand 
legislation, regulation, but they also understand protocol and practice. Do you have a uh, an example of the, the worst case scenario of a bad real estate course? You know, I don't have one that I know of that happened. But, but when I think of the worst example, it would be a course that it's not even having someone fail an exam. It would be a course yeah. that gives bad information that causes a real estate licensee to do harm to the consumer. That would be a bad real estate course. That would be a, a worst case scenario in my mind that you have someone who's got good intentions doing bad things because of bad information. Yeah, basically the opposite of what we're striving for when we make real estate courses, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so what, what does somebody have to do to become the instructor of record? Uh, once again, it depends. I've just gone through that process in uh, Utah. And in Utah, for example, I had to go past the entire sales exam that a real estate salesperson would, but with a higher score than they would. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, in Utah, I had to get a minimum of 80% on both sides. So on the general real estate exam and on the state real estate exam. And that meant I had to learn the laws in Utah. On the other hand, there are some states where the fact that I've taught for so long in Virginia, Maryland, and the District of Columbia, I'm able to submit those credentials and actually simply attest to the fact that I have read the laws and I am acceptable as an instructor there. So it really does depend on the state. Everything, again, is so state-specific. It also depends on whether it's yep. continuing ed or licensing courses. Do you find the licensing courses to be more uh, strict? And those requirements? Generally speaking, yes. And when I say generally speaking, some continuing ed courses, um, they are looking for specific expertise in courses that I might be permitted to be the instructor of record in one state. I wouldn't be in another just because I haven't practically done the things they're talking about, uh, no matter what the knowledge level is. On the other hand, with pre-licensing, I find that that's probably the stricter overall. Um, I know some states require me actually to get a license, not just approved. They require me to go in and get a license to be a pre-licensing instructor. Um, I carry a wow. license in Virginia to instruct both broker and salesperson pre-licensing classes. And they're very stringent on the requirements to get that license. But I renew it every two years, just like I do my real estate uh, broker's license in Virginia. So I imagine you have quite a few licenses in different states. Uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. I have a friend <laughs> who has a lot more. He's got 49. Oh, um, oh my gosh. Yeah, he's one of our best clients, by the way, but I won't say his name without his permission. Yeah, I actually think I, I've heard the sales team talk about uh, uh, this person before. Yeah, he was my old that's, boy. That's crazy. <laughs> Last I knew... Wow, he had that... 49 licenses. I should have asked him first for permission to use his name. What he really loves about the company is this. We're able to let him where he is able to take courses that will satisfy more than one state. He doesn't have to take separate hours for each of those. 
state. Right. And for that, he is very grateful. And I think that for me also was a big deal before I started working for the CE shop. Honestly, I had my other licenses. And if I could get more bang for my buck, it was a good thing to do. Yeah. Reciprocity is great. Saves a lot of yeah. time. And so say you were working um, up in the uh, or in the Missouri area, but you were working Kansas and Missouri and you were working, I don't know, maybe even Tennessee so that you're working in that tri-state area. And each one has different, mm-hmm. different requirements. Well, if you can meet more than one state's requirement with one class, we do that. So we check into what you can do with it, and you take the course once, and we'll issue you both certificates for it. Yeah, that's really nice for those yeah. agents. All right, so looking at the pre-side of things, uh, for, for people that are just getting into real estate, just starting their careers, what would you say are three essential things that a new agent should do in their first year of licensure? The first thing that I'd probably say is to assess their own inventory. But when I say inventory, what I mean is real estate is a, is a business of networking. It really is. People like to do business with other people that they know and trust, especially when you're talking about something as big as the purchase of real estate is. Especially, they want to know that they can trust the person helping them. So if they know you beforehand or if they know you in Mm -hmm. other than your real estate career, that helps the trust. So what I would say is you need to assess your your own business inventory, but that includes your sphere of influence. That also includes your knowledge of things like the paperwork. To be in business and not know how to deal with the contracts would be horrible, would be frightening. And yet, I'm going to tell you that that has happened in real estate in some firms that they that people were able to get started without ever even reading the contract forms. So assessing your own inventory, which includes your knowledge base, your sphere of influence, and your tools like in today's world, you really need some sort of um, client relationship tool to help you keep your um, keep in touch with your clients and customers on a regular basis. Um, the second thing that I'd say is essential is a willingness to step outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Not everything you're going to do in building a business will be comfortable for you, especially if you yeah, think if think of someone who's just moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and they don't have a large sphere of influence yet. And part of what they need to do is begin to reach out and develop a sphere of influence. And that can be challenging for some folks. So the willingness to do what is uncomfortable, but the right thing to do. Um, When you're in business for yourself, it's about doing the right thing. Uh, You can spend a lot of time making color-coded, wonderful maps. You can spend a lot of time dwelling around in multiple listing systems and looking at property. But if you don't develop relationships, you've got no one to help with all of your knowledge. Um, Third, gosh. Um, You know what? Third, I'd probably say... As much as I didn't do it, 
try to take a conscious stab at developing some sort of business plan, um, some sort of realistic business plan that allows you to juggle your time between uh, prospecting, finding the people to do business with, um, interviewing with people for the job so that you know you want it and they know they want you before you have a relationship, and then actually doing the job, which is often a marketing job, often a negotiating job. So I would say that those three things are probably the essentials, assessing the inventory, willingness to do the uncomfortable, and the business plan. All right. That's a great answer. Thank you. Okay, so uh, this is my last question. If you could go back to the beginning of your career, what is one thing you would have done differently? Know what I was getting into <laughs> before I got into it. I would have a better understanding. Uh, I, thought that's, I thought that's what you would say. Yeah, John, <laughs> I just have a better understanding of it turned out to be wonderful, but I would have a better understanding of it. I was really well into my third year before I felt like I could take a breath and know that we were going to be okay. At the end of my first year, my husband paid me the best compliment you could have ever paid anyone. At the, uh, I'm sorry, I said at the end of the first year. It was actually at the end of the second year, selling real estate. He paid me the best compliment. He quit his job. Wow, that's a lot of faith in you. Uh, exactly, and it really was. It was a compliment, but it was scary because you're in business for yourself and you don't have a base salary. And I'm not going to say that no agents do, but I had no base, and he had been yeah. my backup plan. And now, after two years in the business, he said, hey, you're doing fine. I don't need a job. I've always wanted to have a business. And he took a couple of years off, went to school, and then started a business of his own. And it was scary. A business plan would have made that less scary for me. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end. So um, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me, John. I really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Shop Talk. Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling generous, you can leave us a review. Positive reviews are extremely helpful for getting others to listen to the real estate stories that we share here. Join me next time for an episode all about holidays and their effect on real estate. Shop Talk is a production of The CE Shop.